Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the dragon's teddy bear of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who regularly get bit by dragons, but convince ourselves they're spider bites. My name is Sarah, and I am joined by my co-hosts, as always, BJ and Spencer. How are y'all doing? Doing fine, though. I really, really hope if I'd been bitten by a dragon, I would remember it, because that's be something I'd want to treasure <laughs> as my arm swells to twice its normal size and starts to turn green. Spencer, it probably happens some morning when you're stumbling out and you just put your sock down on some pavement and we're confused. It's fine. You know, I want to laugh at you and say it's obviously not true, but we both know it might be, so... Yeah, I can't really guarantee it didn't happen. I feel like you should be a little bit sheepish about that. Oh, God, it continues. Well, we have a whole show here that is um, not related to goats at all. (laughs) Um, All right. By way of explanation, this just kind of tells what people we are to our audience. We had like an hour and a half goat pun battle by means of text midway through the workday today. Not really. It had no relation to any of the stories we're talking about now or in the future. No, no. no. It was fun, though. It was great. In this podcast, however, um, we have a couple of segments that we run through. We have a rapid-fire recap. We have some word... Well, I guess this is sort of related. We have some (laughs) (laughs) word-related... Amusements, yes. Pun-related analysis and then we have newbies notes given by spencer and um i award house points winners and losers of the chapter and then uh bj and spencer pester me with questions that i find beneath me <laughs> you're very snip this plan? episode <laughs> so are we ready for the recap i'm excited for it i have okay i'm ready do you have a goal for yourself for this recap so I should be able to do it in two minutes. I try to get it. I, I always try to get it in two minutes, although there are some chapters I know I'm not going to make that, <laughs> make that goal. Uh-huh. Um, I did. I practiced, and I believe I'm right. We are in the chapter called Norbert, the Norwegian Ridgeback, which is a relatively short chapter. Um, but particularly in the beginning of it, we get some interesting information. Mm-hmm. We do. All right. And then there's a lot of action. <laughs> A lot of action, a lot of comedy, a lot of fun. Yes. So, Spencer, are you ready with the timer? Timer's ready to go. At your pleasure. All right. So, we have a few weeks that pass since our last chapter, and Quirrell seems to be holding strong on keeping his secrets. Hermione and the teacher seems to be presenting a united front on the subject of exam prep. And while in the library learning about Dittany, um, our fearsome trio run into Hagrid, who is looking quite shifty. When they tell him that they know that Fluffy is guarding the Philosopher's Stone, he demands that they come and see him in his hut. And it turns out that Hagrid has been in the dragon section of the library, but obviously he can't have one for a myriad of reasons. Except when they go to his hut, the curtains are drawn, the fire is built up, and it's blazing hot inside. Harry asks Hagrid about the stone and what's guarding it, to which he reluctantly admits that all the teachers, including Snape, have contributed an enchantment. Somewhat reassured... Uh, for whatever reason, Harry, Ron, and Hermione notice a rather large black egg in the fireplace and have some questions, like how a dragon is going to work in a tiny wooden hut, and it's illegal to have a dragon, and it's in a tiny wooden hut. 
Nevertheless, Hagrid calls them back when the Norwegian Ridgeback starts hatching. Hagrid is instantly smitten with Norbert. The problem is that Malfoy follows them and sees the dragon. After obsessing about what Malfoy will do and trying to console Hagrid, they finally think to send Norbert to Ron's brother Charlie in Romania after Ron gets bit by Norbert. Hagrid agrees, owls are sent, Charlie agrees, and plans are made to take Norbert to the tallest tower at midnight on Saturday. Ron's hand has swollen so much he can't be a part of this operation, so he goes to the hospital wing where Malfoy comes to mock him and, quote, borrow a book which he realizes too late had Charlie's letter about Norbert drop-off mission tucked inside it. Too late now, Harry and Hermione take a much larger Norbert in a crate, and he doesn't want to be in that crate. They take him up to the tower um, under the invisibility cloak. During a harrowing journey, they almost get caught by Malfoy, who instead gets caught and given detention by McGonagall, but they meet Ron's friends and successfully get more Norbert off in a harness between the brooms. They go back down, forgetting the invisibility cloak on the tower, and they run into Filch. Sarah, I'm sorry, 2.15, just Shoot. over the buzzer. I had a couple of trip-ups there, but that's all right. We'll forgive you this um, time. Thank you. So, um, anything I missed? No, no. Seems like you covered it pretty well. Yep. Uh, we can end the episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, BJ, you got to participate no. from here. Um, so, listen, BJ, I know you didn't like this chapter, but... <laughs> I, it was it was fine. It was sort of like an ent- entertaining non sequitur, I guess, is, is very much where, where I put this. Like, I get that introducing dragons is entertaining and things like that. Um, I also like that there is a... Um, consistent through line of dragons being hatched in fire uh being sort of like a a fantasy trope that that she references um also sort of like it's a black egg again like another sort of fantasy trope that like dragon eggs are particular and very different from normal eggs Mm -hmm. um i think sort of the other thing that just that that i have trouble coming to terms with is how small is hagrid's hut um, cause I, so it's a one-room hut. It's one room, but Hagrid's pretty big. Yeah, so so that's kind of where I'm just, like, uh, you know, meshing these two things together. And also, I'm really amused. It's just like, well, you can't really have a hot hut because it's made out of wood. Um, because that's somehow super problematic. Um, I understand that it's probably problematic if you have a fire-breathing dragon, but that's sort of separate from their initial uh, qualms. Um, I, is it? I, I think so. Because they... My understanding is that the only reason they're upset is that there is a fire-breathing dragon that is going to grow to be very large in a tiny wooden hut. Oh, because I thought it was he had the fire raging in a small hut, which was their original, like, uh, what's going on. But anyway, um, so for, for a quick uh, couple of things about entertaining word things that are going on, um, there was a sentence early on that I found a very odd way for a narrator to talk about things, and for a preview of my pestering Sarah, I'm curious about the narrator in general, but we will hold that off. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a lot of alliteration, with Snape was uh, sweeping about in his usual bad temper, which surely meant that the stone was still safe. Um, which is kind of an interesting like way to look at... like how much information like the narrator has because the narrator is sort of like in this weird place and also that the narrator is also very fond of alliteration which i appreciate (laughs) um the thing that i found very entertaining 
um, was Ron Ron complaining about uh, remembering things. So he's they're all studying for an exam that's coming up, and he says, I'll never remember this. And he throws down his quill, and he's looking out the window, and the sky was a clear for, forget-me-not blue, which is a very subtle, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember things for, for my exam, but the sky is, is a for, forget-me-not color. So maybe that'll help me. <laughs> I appreciate that, BJ. In mm. multiple, multiple mm. readings, I have never picked up on that. Um, and then the other thing that I do want to reference, and I I think that there were other things that I was desperately wanting to ask you about, um, and it drove it out of my mind, but the leg lock spell is basically... Oh, oh from last week. Yes, from last week. Um, is basically dead leg. And I... like. For whatever reason, I meant to mention it, and I forgot about it, and so I'm going to do it now. The locomotor mortis? Yes, so locomotor mortis. So mortis Mm -hmm. presumably coming from, you know, the the Latin uh, just in general, and so dead leg. Um, So you're giving somebody a dead leg. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, uh, we'll turn it over to uh, our newbie, our noteworthy newbie. Thank you, BJ. (laughs) Uh, for me, uh, this chapter didn't involve much in the way of plot progression. Kind of introduced it in the first couple pages, but from there, it just focuses on fun and it does a good job of it. So I got a few things to talk about. First thing, I'm starting to detect a theme with British authors and naming dragons between uh, J.K. Rowling and Terry Pratchett. That with him coming out with Errol and her coming out with Norbert, I'm just going to rely on British authors to name dragons going forward because that just amuses me. <laughs> they are the most British of all possible names. Pretty much, yes. Uh, I'm now also convinced that not only is Hagrid using all small animals that he kills as part of his groundkeeping to make his clothing, that he now also eats them, given that he served them tea and stoat sandwiches when they came to visit his house to see the dragon egg. So, good to know that all the little tiny animals that are dying as the result of his uh, inherent work are going to good use. Um, Let's see here. One issue I want to discuss is... This chapter kind of put it in my mind that maybe Ron's a bit of an idiot. That (laughs) between basically forgetting for a moment that his brother exists and then also giving up the letter, there are several stages of this chapter where Ron tries pretty hard to mess everything up. Um, Do we get more? I'm curious to see from you that between this chapter and several other ones, one of the main defining character tricks of getting out of Ron is that maybe he's not necessarily an idiot, but he's pretty damn dense. And that seems like it comes into play a lot here. Uh, I feel like density versus just like a rambunctious 12-year-old. Like, you're expecting a very uh, high standard for how organized and thoughtful a a 12-year-old is going to be. And that that, that may be a personal experience thing, but... it's not just an what? issue of personal experience, it's an issue of framing, because I've got three 12-year-olds here to cite to, and one of them's the one that keeps making these kind of mistakes. Yeah, but Her- Hermione is just, well, Hermione. Um, <laughs> yep, and and I said. feel like Harry makes plenty of mistakes, he's just, you know, the uh, main character in the hilariously unreliable narrator's story, so, eh. Do we believe that Harry is in some way connected to the narrator here, and some his missteps are being kind of covered over as a result of that? I think that we have a close person, a close third person narrator here who is 
mostly following Harry, although we get, and I've actually mentioned them on this podcast before, we get interesting moments in the course of a given narrative where our narrator is doing something else or following someone else. Um, so I don't know. It's a good question. It's an, we are in a third person semi-omniscient semi narrator <laughs> right. who closely follows Harry and does a couple of other things. Okay. <laughs> is, uh, is there a certain wizard that you could... Um, what? I don't know. Attribute this, uh, you know, certain weird perseverations to? I don't know, BJ. There are options, I suppose. Okay, you guys are starting to use that tone again, like this is a question that's eventually going to be answered. You just don't want me to know it yet. No, I, this this question is never answered. Yeah, answered. I don't think it's ever Stop answered. Stop messing with me. <laughs> well, that would be no fun, first of all. And second of all. Why do you think we're doing this podcast, <laughs> no, Damn it all to hell. All right, moving on. Um, I'm increasingly getting convinced that from the sheer number of things that Hagrid just comes across when he goes to the bar that this is basically his equivalent of I found it, it fell off a truck, which may indicate that he could be in the mafia from the sheer number of things he's acquiring and presenting as new thing I got, it was at the bar. Mm -hmm. Raising certain numbers of questions from the sheer variety of things he acquires and brings from, you know, friggin' Cerberus to now dragon eggs. This bar sounds like a wonderful place to spend a couple hours. Um, um, we go to it at a in a different book. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh... <laughs> One thing that also struck me just how invested I'm starting to get in this book, but the scene where we find Malfoy finally get a certain measure of competence as he's being dragged through a hallway by his ear by Professor McGonagall had me actually stand up and fist bump. That, I was just so happy to see that little shit finally get some measure of what he's dished out upon the world. I mean, he's only been in this story for like, I mean, they haven't even finished a single school year yet. We're around about Easter, I think, at this point. But he's already starting to compete with the Dursleys for being the fucking worst. And that's just impressive. They had like 10 years going into this before he did. So, a certain measure of punishment upon him is just lovely to see. And that is what I've got for right now. It, the, book, the chapter ends on one hell of a cliffhanger in terms of Filch coming across them. And I'll be curious to see what the repercussions are of that. Yeah, so next up, we have house points for the chapter. Um, and this is, a, this is a hard chapter for that. We are on a roller coaster of who is up and who is down throughout the course of the chapter. Uh, Hagrid gets a dragon. Our fearsome trio finds out some information. They... Harry and Hermione think that they have gotten this sort of hijink off without a hitch, and uh, Ron gets bit by a dragon. It's all a little tricky, in all honesty. Mm. Um, I would say that I think the the loser, the ultimate loser of this chapter, with just the information that we have now, is probably Malfoy. Fair. Very fair. He thought he was getting one over on everybody. Mm-hmm. He was, even um, he was even biding his time to make it even more powerful when he chose to pull his card. Yes. And it, it it is a resounding failure in the moment that he expects this to be a thing. Um, the winner is a little bit more difficult given the cliffhanger that you mentioned, Spencer. Um, and our knowledge that Harry and Hermione have been caught by Filch. 
I feel like this no, is we don't a necessarily... lose-lose situation, just how sure. big the loss is. I mean, he, 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 this is a guy that seems like he would really adore corporal punishment if it was still allowed. Is it still allowed at this school in any way? No, it's not, but he frequently, and at great volumes, laments the, the idea that it is not. All right, okay, well... At least there's at least there's the higher threshold of what they can be punished with, but based on the sheer number of points that McGonagall's throwing around there when she punished Malfoy, they could be in the ringer. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna do a little spoiler, Spencer. It's not good. Oh dear. Just, I mean, they points. Seem, unlike whose lines anyway, the points seem to matter in terms of this show, and they're like in close competition with um, uh, Malfoy's house, uh, Slytherin, Slytherin right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the House Cup, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. So, like, any points they lose right now could be a big deal. Yeah. And, you know, I think that in terms of my house points, Harry and Hermione have had some big wins. Um, but I think that we get enough evidence at the end of this chapter that they are not going to come out on top. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an entirely sort of in the future thing. Like, they are actively in the shit at the end of this chapter. Um I would say that Hagrid had won because he got the dragon that he always wanted, but that dragon was very quickly taken away from him, which seems to sort of undercut the house points that he might have gotten in this situation. I think the person that comes out most strongly with wins against losses... Filch. Is Filch. Yeah, it's like the only it's only five it's only six chap six characters in this entire chapter, so who's it gonna be at this point? Yeah, kind of. I think Filch. it's gonna be Filch. I mean, he at the end of the chapter, we only see him at the end of the chapter, but at the end of the chapter, he is going to be able to punish students in some way. Well, so I would argue that the hands down winner of this chapter is Charlie. Oh, Charlie does. Yeah, Charlie he is awesome out friends. of everything and gets a new Yeah, he is an, dragon. like yeah. an awesome new research <laughs> specimen. He gets to try and introduce it into the wild. <laughs> he sweeps in with a bunch of awesome friends, wows all his younger brother's friends with how like amazing and cool he is, and then just goes, and I don't have to deal with any of the stupid Hogwarts crap like, profe- like Filch. I'm out. <laughs> he, spoken, he, spoken like a true scientist, BJ. He, he is... <laughs> I would agree, but he's nowhere near involved enough, I think, to even be in the running. I think you have to have a minimum amount of page participation to even get even get considered. Potentially, you have to, like, bodily show up in the chapter. <laughs> Fair point, yes. Um, so I am going to give it to Filch. He's, he's even got a good line here at the end. That's a pretty intimidating line of, well, 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 we are in trouble. That, that, that's a good line if you want it for, for uh, Filch to spring on them right then. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think... I think we've got it. I think we have loser Malfoy, winner Filch, um, two people that we objectively do not like in this narrative. Um, but that's the way it is. Okay. So what PJ? house is Filch in? So Filch has never been in the house because he is a squib. Oh, right. He can't practice magic. Ah, uh, yes. That's right. right. So he has never he's never attended to Hogwarts. He's just which, the worst. Okay. Yeah, which he's just the worst, which I, I have some, I mean, he's, he's, terrible but i have a little bit of sympathy that he is the caretaker of this castle full of children who are like just bubbling over with magical ability Mm -hmm. when he should have had some magical ability i get how you can be a little bitter 
Um, he's still fucking terrible. Yeah, I feel like that's like putting the uh, senator who tried to pass all the anti-mutant laws in X-Men as like, <laughs> you know, the, oh, yeah. the school resource officer at, at the uh, <laughs> Xavier School for the Gifted. And it's just like, I mean, sure, I, he like, I guess he has reason to be cranky about it, but like, they're probably Maybe better. Maybe he would have pe- chosen a different exactly. career path. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, qu- question about Squibs, if I remember this correctly. Squib mm-hmm. uh, is not just a person that doesn't have magic. They're a person who's born into a magical family that himself Correct. does not have magic. Which yes. m- makes it all the more the worse, too, because mm-hmm. now it's got the same mindset of um, the... What's 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 the Aunt Dur- Dursley's name again? Do we know her turn? Mrs. Dursley, Petunia? sure. Whatever. Oh, Petunia. Petunia, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's got her kind of begrudging resentment against her sister that, you know, she's got exposed to the magic world through family and has been denied it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, at least Petunia's was just a one-off. It's not like she has come from yeah, lived in a world. family that themselves are magic. Yeah. Do we ever find about Filch's family or their history about what house they could be affiliated with or what connections they had to the university? He's no, we only learn that. about Filch. <laughs> What'd you say, BJ? He's Slytherin through and through. It's fine. <laughs> You know, maybe it's just a different insight into a certain house. Bitterness could could fall into all of our hearts. But, BJ, do we have a variety of questions to questions. grill Sarah with to try to take um, away from her enjoyment of the text? I, I always do. I know you do. Um, so, I, so, before we do that, I feel like... I, I doubt my mother will ever listen to, to this podcast. But if she does, I, I feel like I have to apologize. Because when I was this age... I was terrible about keeping jackets, like bring bring them to school. Like she would put me in a jacket because it was cold going to school, and then they would, I mean, not disappear per se because they would be at school. But like at the end of the year, there'd be like six jackets in my locker, and mm-hmm. and so I, before I talk about how crazy it is for them to have left the cloak of invisibility. I have to own up to my own uh, foibles and say that that very often I would leave jackets all over the place, and I have since got much better about taking care of of my jackets in general. But there was a period of time that that lined up with this, uh, the age of the the main characters, that I wasn't great about keeping jackets on and wearing them appropriately. And it- it's also possible you hadn't done many dragon handoffs from the top of the tower to people flying on brooms going to Romania. It's a certain yeah. element of distraction yeah, that probably comes into play then. But still, one of yes. the most powerful magic items that we are introduced to, and we are sort of told that this is a very important magical item that is the sole heirloom that Harry has from his father, and just kind of leaves it. No, yeah. Particularly when they just saw Professor McGonagall walking around in a tartan bathrobe and hairnet, the professors are on patrol and catching people right now. Spencer, are you having um, some interesting visions of Professor McGonagall? Because I did not pick up on her particular outfit in this point. But well, it, it, I think it's very clear what her particular outfit is. What, what just strikes me as really weird is, in what context was she walking the halls that Malfoy ran into her? Did he, like, accidentally stumble into her room? I Does mean, she reside was, at the top of this tower? There was a stolen kiss from uh, Hagrid earlier in, in the chapter. Oh, at the Christmas yep. at the Christmas feast. So, I mean... <laughs> Professor McGonagall, a little Where bit of a Where are we going with this? 
know. I mean, there. You know, keep it within Gryffindor. It's fine. <laughs> Did you have a question in here, BJ? Well, yes. I mean, the 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 question was like, I get that sort of, but like, how do you justify you know just leaving the the cloak of invisibility and like they were essentially wearing it and then it's gone. Like I. I know that it has to be that way for the next chapter to happen, but it still seems a little fishy. So, I mean, <laughs> I feel like this is a question that is not really in it's, good faith. It's not in good because faith, and the... it's not answerable, <laughs> and it's fine. I just, I because feel like the I have only to bring answer it up. is that, like, it just no, happened. of course they shouldn't have done that. Right. And of course it doesn't make sense. And I suppose that you can try to explain it away in some sort of, like, well, they're 12. Yeah. Um, but it's still tough to do that. And but drag- it's still an idiotic thing to do. It mm-hmm. is simply a plot device that has happened. Yeah. And it's like, I guess it would make a lot more sense if it was Harry and Ron. But... Oh, yeah. No, Ron could have orchestrated... Yeah. Some sort of nonsense. Um, but Hermione... Exactly. So, I guess my my real question for, for just this part, and I guess I have a couple, which is one, like... Uh, the, the the main one, and you sort of already answered, is, like, who's the narrator? Yeah, I I mean... I guess the best, because I haven't read, read through the entire series, I feel like my best mm-hmm. guess is a bit of a spoiler. So I'm not going to... to uh, I'm just going to tease Spencer with somebody that would have an obvious interest in Harry and be following him in his career and know other things that are going on. So I think that that is, that is maybe a fair guess. I will... And that survives book four or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I will, I will undercut this a little bit by simply saying that we, we never, we never know. Right. Um, But we, it is a, it is, like I said, it's a third person sort of close omniscient narrator because we do get these moments of being, of following people who are not Harry. Yeah. Um, right. So most of the time we are essentially following Harry. But there are a couple of moments within the meat of novels, mm-hmm. such as, and I think I mentioned this in a previous pod, but when we are at that first Quidditch match, yeah, it's actually a little weird that we ratchet back and forth between Harry on his broom, kind of trying to be bucked off by some sort of curse. Yeah. And... Hermione and Ron, like that's actually a very weird moment mm-hmm. that that goes back and forth because we don't get a lot of that in other novels. That feels like actually a very first novel in the series thing to do. Mm-hmm. What we what we do get is frequently the first chapter or couple of chapters of novels, including this first one, are told from a slightly different perspective mm-hmm. that is not focused on Harry. Gotcha. Sort of like and a, so we get, the... yes, we get some sort of information around what is going on in the plot or something that we need to know around some other character that we simply could not get if we were following Harry. So I have a mm-hmm. theory. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure I know who the narrator is. Okay. Um, it's Tyrion um, because <laughs> he, he, knows, he knows a bunch of history. He knows sort of like what, what went on. Um, he gets a little bit of obsessive about certain people, um, and he drinks and he knows things. So, you know, semi-omniscient, like, knows a lot of stuff that's going on, is a little bit erratic, and, and that's who it is. 
you know, I, I wouldn't have bought that, but now we've got a chapter about a dragon, and Tyrion likes dragons. You know, works for he me. He does like dragons. <laughs> Maybe this was his background research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This chapter right here was the justification for writing the whole thing. Didn't really care about the rest, but this dragon chapter was making it all worthwhile. Um, Spencer. All right. A uh, question of how the laws of this universe work. Because we get it clearly <laughs> set out that owning a dragon is illegal. Uh, yes. Is that a unique to Britain thing? Is Charlie essentially moving the dragon oh, to a country where it's legal for this to occur? Or is he essentially illegally smuggling it across lines in violation of international law? So, a is lot there... like Florida. And most of the rest <laughs> where of the you civilized going? country, there are certain laws as to, like pets that you can have <laughs> things that you can raise in your house and then mm-hmm. there's some gray areas but so i feel i feel it incumbent um to my husband at this moment to tell you that we found out this week that we thought i say we terry thought that um it was only in florida that you could own apes as pets mm-hmm. that is not true you can do that in North Carolina as well. So I have a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Are there any upcoming additions to your households in terms of... Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> I, so in this, uh, to his credit, Terry is very interested in apes. But but not... But he understands pet, yeah. what apes are, right? Mm, right. <laughs> this is one of Wild his main animals. things. Yes. Um, wild animals that, in many cases, particularly for chimpanzees, are really, really aggressive. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very aggressive, very strong, and prone to sudden swings of emotion. Things yeah. you don't want in a roommate. No, it is. This is uh, apparently what Michael Jackson found out, so we will not be doing <laughs> any said thing. So, not unlike uh, the dragon that we had. Not unlike the dragon that we have, yes. Um, to restate my question. It, yes. Is the Ministry of Magic that we hear about a monolithic entity that has some degree of influence over a varieties of the magical world extending mm-hmm. outside Britain? It's in or the does UK. each country have its own Ministry of Magic and the laws that it sets govern only its own borders? Is owning a dragon illegal throughout the magical world or just in Britain, at least relative to them? Sure. Um, so each country has its own version of the Ministry of Magic mm-hmm. to some extent or other. I think we never get a direct answer to whether across the globe it is verboten to own a dragon as a pet. Um, We don't necessarily have that answer. The impression that we get from both kind of this chapter as well as a couple of other incidents that happen is that it is widely accepted that dragons are not pets. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there might be exceptions to that. I have absolutely no idea. My understanding of what is going on with Charlie in Romania is that there simply happen to be large populations of wild dragons in Romania for reasons that are left unexplained. But I do think that the process of getting Norbert to Romania is illegal in the transporting of a dragon across borders. Yeah, it's kind of... I I, assume, I don't think you are supposed to do that. Yeah, I assume it's kind of like a... You find out somebody has, like, a tiger cub, and it's just mm-hmm. like, well, if we go through proper channels, it's going to end up in a zoo. Right. But, you know, my buddy is a researcher in Asia or Africa and, like, could potentially... Well, Asia. Um, 
reintroduce this cub to the wild or whatever rather mm-hmm. than but we'd have to smuggle him i think i think that's right um i think that's right bj but it is interesting because we learn later on we learn about a couple of other different breeds of dragons and so it seems that there are dragons that are native to britain that still exist in some wild corners of britain which, according to Ron, the Ministry of Magic just goes around and consistently wipes the memories of muggles out there that happen to notice them. Yeah, I mean, they can't do much about the dragons, necessarily. It's much easier to deal with the muggles. Again, the comparisons between the Ministry of Magic and the Men in Black is getting extensive. This, their use of this memory loss spell must be a really constant thing. Um, it's called Obliviate, Spencer. Obliviate? Okay. Obliviate, yes. Keep track of that one. So is there ever a conversation of, have you ever obliviated me? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, and other questions. Other questions. Yeah. Um, so I, I think my biggest other question is sort of uh, how, how regular is um, Filch finding... Uh, nefarious plots going on with, you know, people wandering the hulls. Yeah, I don't, um... Because that seems like the worst... I think it's pretty extensive. Okay, this seems like the worst Night Watchman kind of job. Mm-hmm. The only reason that I that I say that I think it's pretty extensive, other than Filch's sort of glee at the prospect, mm-hmm. is that Fred and George Weasley exist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but did they get caught? Yes. Oh, did they? <laughs> it's something we find out later. Um, so we learn in the second book, um, and this is this is not a spoiler at all. It just happens to be a detail that we get in the course of something else happening. Um, that in Filch's office, he has file cabinets with files on all of the students that he has a permanent record apprehended in some in some form or fashion. Uh, Fred and George Weasley have an entire filing cabinet drawer to themselves. Damn. This is their their raison d'etre. <laughs> I would have thought they were a bit better at stinking the halls, or perhaps I had underestimated Filch's ability to catch them. Or, um, or I think or, their or, volume is just so yeah. high. Yeah. That <laughs> sheer number of opportunities to catch them. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, his cat also seems like she might have some ability to help him, too. But Mrs. Norris, is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and as we talked about a couple of episodes ago, it's unclear kind of what she is and what their relationship is, but she seems to have some sort of sixth sense about where trouble might be happening. Hmm. Huh. Well, last question for me. I'm moving from mm-hmm. dragons to the next fascinating topic. Uh, yearly exams. Mm-hmm. Seems like the students didn't have to take any kind of entrance exam to be admitted into Hogwarts. Is that, do I have that right? Correct, we, yes. We certainly didn't see Harry take one. But we hear now from Ronnie that they, at the end of their first year, need to do well enough on this exam to continue at the university. Mm-hmm. It, um, is that how it works each year, that if you fail to pass the exam, you're out? Or do we, are we aware of there any kind of, you know, grace period or summer school by which the system doesn't appear as axiomatic as it sounds? Yeah, that's a good question. We don't ever see anyone within the confines of the novels who has failed the exams to kind of get a resolution to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it sounds like a really, really, you know, painful process if that if that that's the kind of scenario where you're exposed to a world of magic. This is your gateway to this incredible community. And then the event mm-hmm. you fail one of your exams, you are cut off forever. Yeah, that we don't ever get any evidence that that is actually the case. It sounded like Hermione's paranoia at play. That's probably that yeah, that's probably fair. There we do reach a point um and this is a very kind of European system. We do reach a point I think in the doesn't matter. It's either in the 4th or 5th book. Oh, it must be in the 4th book where the year before they have kind of they have taken their exams well, so the, eventually, I'm sorry, eventually they take their ordinary wizarding level exams, their OWLs, or OWLs, if you will. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, which are exams that determine the level of classes in certain subjects that you can take going forward, which determines what kind of jobs you are qualified for. Or it's just a flight yeah. of fancy. <laughs> yeah. Well, eventually you take the national... Um, nastily exhausting wizard trials tests trials which are the newts <laughs> um so you do have you do have these sort of exam based markers in your career but really the final exams that we get especially in these first years are just final exams okay so a lot so more you like might med like, school where i guess we're so so like if you if you fail classes consistently eventually they'll kick you out but like mm-hmm. you have to try. Mm-hmm. But you you might like retake a class or yeah get put into something different or whatever it is. You're not Hermione is very much exaggerating here. You are not going to get kicked out of Hogwarts for failing some sort of exam. Gotcha. Also somewhere to law school where there is so much of a curve that everyone just ends up with the average grade instead of fail you basically <laughs> need to write a different name on your test and just turn it in blank pretty much anything you do you'll get so, you'll get something resembling a passing grade just because everything is brought to the average well that makes me feel good <laughs> well, any, any further questions from you bj uh, i think that's it for for this episode all right um well next week i will say uh, we have a doozy of a chapter. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting towards towards the end, so it is it is ramping up now. So next week we have the Forbidden Forest, which I don't think any part of this chapter can be accused of being any sort of non sequitur towards anything. Yes, um, I'm also amused by the uh, picture in the chapter, which seems yeah, like a comment on that a centaur that doesn't really care about much. <laughs> it's a shrugging centaur it looks like i like i like hearing about your descriptions of the pictures for these chapters because my book does not have pictures in the front of the chapters Are you, you're actually still reading the original one that you got back when you were you know a tiny child right yes yes i am still very much um in the british edition of the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, um, and it is also the paperback edition of such, and it does not have any pictures. So you, you've got all the proper original words and all the extra use when you're reading it. Indeed, it takes me factors longer to read these <laughs> chapters. Um, so the the one thing that I will mention, just because I feel like I should, is the um, and I sent you the the picture. Um, somehow, 
the centaur is not moving at all, but its tail is up like it's moving very quickly. And so there's this just like, I don't really know what's going on. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Well, until next time, y'all. Have a good one.